What's up, everybody? Welcome back. I've decided to try something new, and depending on how this goes, we'll determine whether I do more of it or not. This is Brojo Online masculinity, confidence, and integrity. With my recent release of The Naked Truth, my new book, and within which I talk about the five principles of powerful honesty, what I really wanted to do is show what it looks like in real life. And there are certain role models, certain people whom I believe really demonstrate the principles quite well, maybe not perfectly consistently, but that in itself is actually realistic. Nobody's perfectly consistent with demonstrating these. So there's some people that I would like to show you some videos and I'm actually going to pause the videos at regular occurrences and critique them. And we're going to start with Sam Harris, neuroscientist, philosopher, uh, you might say anti-theist um, advocate or scientific advocate. Now he's a great example of somebody who is what I'd call accurately honest and that he makes a very, very strong attempt to ensure that everything that comes out of his mouth is reasoned, logical, and aligned with facts. And he also does this injected with his own personality and his own feelings on the topic. And he does a great job of distinguishing which is which, which are facts and which are feelings. Now, there's a great example of an interview that I'm going to use. It's just a 10-minute clip, but I'll probably drag it out to be able to give critique on different parts. It's when Sam Harris appeared on the Rick Rubin show and discussed the conflict that he got into with Ben Affleck around Sam Harris's, um, shall we say, critique of Islam. So what we're going to see is actually four characters. We're going to see Sam Harris, of course. We're going to see Rick Rubin. We're going to see Ben Affleck. And uh, we're going to see Bill Maher, who hosted the show. And what I want to do is try and give you a critique mostly focused on Sam Harris's honesty, both in the interview and in the clip with Ben Affleck, as well as some of those supporting characters give you some of my insights on which are the principles of powerful honesty they're following and which they're breaching. And you can get a sense of what it looks like in real life when someone's following the principles and what it looks like when they fail to. So let's see how this goes and hopefully it'll work out. So we're going to start, I'm going to allow Rick Rubin to introduce Sam Harris as he does in the show, save me the effort. And then I'll just simply pause the tape whenever I think it's time to give a bit of feedback. I truly don't know if I could have come up with a more perfect guest for the first episode of the show. Sam Harris is a neuroscientist, author, and founder of Project Reason. And according to some people, he's also a genocidal maniac bent on nuking much of the Middle East. Sam, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Which, uh, which half of that would you say well, uh, describes you better? Well, well, we'll talk about both halves, I imagine. But yeah. yeah. I'll take the first, though. Well, I'm, I'm truly thrilled that you're here and that, you know, you came in for my first show. You said you were going to come in in October when your book comes out, but yeah. I... I twisted your arm sufficiently, and, and here you are. Yeah. Okay, just pause the tape a little bit there. This is what I kind of call fluff, which is these guys are kind of warming up into the interview. Neither of them are sort of diving deep into, I guess you'd say, intimate feelings or thoughts or beliefs. And even though Rick Rubin uses a word like thrilling, and Sam Harris uses a word like congratulations. You get a sense that they're not really feeling the meaning of those words at this stage. They're just kind of getting through that amusing, semi-awkward, nervous bit where you start a conversation that's being filmed and you want it to go well. There's nothing wrong with this. I consider this to be lubricant. This is how most conversations begin. It's neither dishonest nor deeply honest. It's just kind of like jogging before you sprint. 
So we'll just let them continue. But as far as I'm concerned, there's no points on the board yet, either positive or negative. Well, congratulations on the show, too. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. So let's start. Um, I want to start basically where sort of I really found out about you and where I think this whole discussion that we've every, everyone's been having for the last eight months or so started. And you were on Real Time with Bill Maher. And you were on to talk about your book. Bill was talking about liberalism and Islam, and Ben Affleck was on. And I know everyone's seen this clip already, but let's take a look. When you want to talk about the treatment of women and homosexuals and free thinkers and, and public intellectuals in the Muslim world, uh, I would argue that li liberals have failed us. And uh, the crucial point of confusion, uh, yeah, well, thank you. Thank God you're here. Yeah. All right, a couple of little things happen right there. So Sam Harris is very much in his accurate space at this point. He's kind of talking facts and figures. When he uses a phrase like, I would argue, he's coming from kind of a detached perspective. Uh, so he's speaking from the intellectual part of his brain, but not the emotional part. And again, there's nothing wrong with this, but we're not actually seeing the full Sam Harris here. We're more like seeing a polished version of his ideas. Again, nothing wrong with that but this is not full vulnerability and intimacy. Now, right at the end there, Ben Affleck did a little thing. He said, thank God you're here in what is clearly a sarcastic tone. That was a great example of dishonesty. For a start, what he said was dishonest. He's saying, thank God you're here as if he's glad that Sam Harris is there. Of course he is not. And that is going to be clearly shown in a minute. So straight out of the gate, the first thing out of Ben Affleck's mouth in this conversation is a lie. It's facetious, it's sarcastic, and it's delivered as kind of like a verbal punch. He's not trying to express his true thoughts and feelings in a clear and direct way. He's actually throwing a verbal assault at Sam Harris, who hasn't yet realized, as he talks about later, uh, how hostile that was. What Ben Affleck really was saying was, I'm offended and hurt by your position and I feel myself getting angry. But he didn't say that, did he? He said, thank God you're here. A very dishonest statement. So I'd say Sam is kind of like being a five out of 10 honest here. He's being accurate in terms of what he believes in, but it's not his true feelings in the moment. We don't really know what those are yet. Ben Affleck's being like a minus five. We're getting a sense of his feelings in a very indirect kind of nasty beat around the bush way. Uh, but what his true thoughts and beliefs are, are essentially hidden behind a mask of sarcasm and vengeful uh, tone. So a very small amount, but a lot of dishonesty packed into that little small amount. So let's keep it going and see how this <laughs> wonderful conversation escalates. Well, I mean, the, the, the crucial point of confusion is that, that we have been sold this meme of Islamophobia where every criticism of the doctrine of Islam gets conflated with bigotry toward Muslims as people. Right. And that is uh, it's, it's intellectually ridiculous. Even it gets so hold on, are racist. you the person who understands the officially codified doctrine of Islam? You're uh, all right. This is about where it goes off the rails. Now, right at the end of what Sam Harris was saying just then, he said, it's ridiculous. And we start to see a bit of his feelings coming through finally. But still, he's speaking in a detached way. He's saying, it's ridiculous, rather than it bothers me, which is what he's really saying here. He's still quite clinical and detached. This is obviously a point or a position that he's made many times before, and he's used to saying it. It's almost scripted. So it's truthful, but you get a sense that what's going on inside him is not directly being spoken. So he's being bold. He's following that principle. And he's being reciprocal. He's allowing Ben Affleck a chance to speak. When Ben Affleck interrupts, Sam goes quiet rather than talking over him. And we're going to see that Ben does not extend that same courtesy to him. So Sam Harris, again, he's still like a five out of 10 here. He's speaking truthful statements and being objectively, factually correct, at least in his own eyes, but we're still not seeing how he feels. Now, what Ben Affleck just did now is he threw a question that was really a statement. Again, he's being very dishonest. 
he said something like, are you the person who can ratify the Quran? Are you the expert? But he isn't actually asking that. This is hostility disguised as curiosity. It looks like he wants the answer to the question, but he's actually, again, he's using the question as a weapon. He's actually making a statement saying, you anger me because I don't see you as qualified to speak on this, but that isn't what he said, is he? Is it? He's asked a question. So again, Ben Affleck's obviously very upset, but he doesn't take responsibility for it. And he just throws these verbal punches instead. It's a very dishonest, cowardly style of communication. I'm actually well educated on this topic. I'm, I'm asking you, so I mean, you're you, saying if I criticize the, you're saying that Islamophobia is not a real thing. That if you're critical of something... It... Well, it's not a real thing when we do it. Right. To the layman, you might say, it looks like Ben Affleck's trying to understand their position. But that isn't what he's doing. He's, in fact, starting to create somewhat of a straw man. But his curiosity is feigned. It's not real. He isn't actually interested in Sam or later Bill's position on this topic, he's already chosen his position and will not be moved. And at this point, he's playing kind of a verbal strategic game based in outrage. So I really want to emphasize what you're seeing from Ben Affleck here is dishonest. He is lying. Because what he's really thinking and feeling is being masked by feigned curiosity. He's pretending to ask questions. He's pretending to try and understand their position. What he's really doing is trying to set them up for a kick in the nuts, at least in his mind. Look at the way he's leaning forward. Look at that aggressive stance, that very direct eye contact. And you can see in the frozen image here, Bill Maher leaning back, like what the hell's going on? Uh, Sam Harris kind of slouched going, uh, I don't know what the hell's happening. I don't know who the guy next to Ben is, but he's leaning back as well. That aggressive kind of explosion has pushed everyone away from him. It almost looks like Jesus's last supper here. Ben's gone on a dishonest offensive, but because he's hidden it behind curiosity, he's made it quite difficult to call him out on it. So people are now going to address his questions and his points without realizing that that is pointless because he isn't actually making those points. He isn't actually asking questions. If you were to stop and address what Ben Affleck's doing here accurately, you would say, you just attacked me. Because that's the only thing that's happening here is Ben is attacking Sam. The points about Islam, the doctrine, the, the finer details of whether or not Islam is a religion of peace, all that... This is not what's happening here. This is not a discussion about that. This is an attempt by Ben to dominate Sam through the use of outrage disguised as curiosity or disguised as uh, protectiveness for the Muslim community or something like that. This is nothing more than Ben being angry at Sam and lashing out at him. But that's not what he's saying, is it? So he's lying. <laughs> well, well no, it no, really no, isn't. I, I'm not denying not, that, that certain people are bigoted against Muslims as people, that's, right. and that's a that's problem. Big of you. But the. But why are you so hostile about this? It's, it's gross. It's racist. It's, it's not. It's gross. It's racist. This is what we call presenting opinion as fact, and it is a very, very weak form of honesty. He thinks it's gross. He thinks it's racist. But he isn't saying it like I think this or I believe that. He's saying it as if he's talking about facts. Like, you know, water is cold and stones are hard and this is gross and you are racist. The way he's presenting his argument is this is an established fact that I'm merely commenting on. The truth is he's like, I'm outraged. I feel whatever he feels, defensive, I don't know, entitled. He's not saying any of that. He's making it out like he's he's delivering observational facts about Sam and Bill Maher, which is why they're having this confused re reaction. And they're making the mistake of trying to address his points. They should not be addressing his points at this point. They should be addressing his communication style. I wouldn't even respond to the accusation of grossness or racism at this point. 
I'd say, wow, you're not telling me how you really feel. You're hiding behind accusations and name calling. Tell me how you actually feel right now. We know in in an indirect way that Ben Affleck is clearly upset, assuming he's not just using his acting skills to pretend to be upset. I think he is genuinely upset at this point. Later on, Sam Harris talks about how this argument continued in the green room with no nobody watching. So we might be able to assume that Ben Affleck was actually outraged and upset. But not once does he say that. Not once does he say, I'm being this way because I'm upset and I've lost control of my anger, which would be the only truthful thing he could say at this point. Anything else is a lie. It's like saying the sun is shifting too. You're not listening Absolutely to what we are. <laughs> so Bill Maher is Jewish as far as I know. Ben Affleck says, it's like you said, you're a shifty Jew. I have, I'm absolutely convinced that Ben chose that carefully. He looked at Bill Maher, went, ah, he's Jewish. What's the thing I can say to push his button? So now, if he were to be honest, Ben Affleck could say, I'm going to try and push your button by bringing up your race. But he didn't say that. He just made this indirect comment about Jews as if it's just a throwaway example, but it was carefully directed at Bill Maher. Just notice how much of Ben Affleck's agenda is hidden here. I don't want to spend too much time on Ben. We're going to focus on Sam throughout the remainder of this episode. But in comparison to Sam, you're seeing so much dishonesty from Ben. It's, but it's so nuts. It's so, it's like saying it's those so you're shifty Jew. You're not listening Absolutely to not. what well, we are saying. You guys are saying, if you want to be liberals, believe in liberal principles, right. like freedom of speech, like, right. um, you know, we are endowed by our uh, forefathers with an inalienable aspect, all men are created No, equal. Ben, we have to be able to criticize bad ideas. So, first off, I think it's gross, it's racist, should be your Twitter bio. Have you considered yeah, putting yeah, it there? Yeah, people have been just throwing that at me on Twitter ever since. Yeah, yeah so not It's a bit of a meme. Yeah, yeah. so what I want to start with is, because I think... There's obviously a ton we can talk about the fallout of this, and we'll get to that. But I want to talk about actually the specifics of what happened there. Right. Did you expect, because usually when they bring on the guest that sits on Bill's side of the table, mm. usually it's for a one-on-one with Bill and sort of yeah. a casual conversation. The panel doesn't really jump in. Did you expect that whole thing to explode the way that it did? No, no, not at all. I, I was selling a book on meditation at that moment. <laughs> I was talking, and the first, that's about 60 seconds into the exchange. Yeah. And... So initially it starts with, you know, how can an atheist be spiritual? And it was uh, talking along those lines. And I said something slightly derogatory about the new age. And Ben jumped into that space and, and, you know, was at my throat about Islam hadn't even come up. So he clearly was poised to do that. And yeah, it's, that is, that's considered a protected interview. Everyone on the panel knows they're not supposed to jump in. What do you th- now, what Sam's done here is he's relayed the events as they took place. This is a thing that Sam does well. Careful attention to detail and accuracy. He will relay the events or the logical sequence of events from something he remembers. What I want you to notice, though, there's a little bit missing here. I think it might come up later in the interview, if I remember correctly, is he just gave us basically a set list of the facts this happened then this happened then i said this and he said that and it was this at no point does he say and at that point i got really nervous or at that point i was pissed off or this point when he did that i got confused he's not i don't think deliberately hiding we can actually see in a sense through his body language and his tone as he relays these events that there's a kind of sense of confusion coming through like he couldn't believe that it was happening but he doesn't say that but one of the only weaknesses i think in sam harris's honesty is that he almost hides behind facts he doesn't do this all the time and there are other times and that's why i chose an interview in particular because that's when he's most likely to let his true self show as opposed to being sort of like detached and logical all the time. Uh, But quite often he'll relay events or talk about things from this detached, cold perspective, and you don't really get a direct sense of how he felt and what was going on inside him while it was occurring. And a really real full powerful honesty, one of the principles is vulnerability. And that's one thing we don't see a lot of from Sam. We see a lot of responsibility we see a lot of boldness, the second principle. He's excellent at taking a cosmic perspective and seeing the big picture. 
And he's pretty good at reciprocation. He's pretty good at letting the other person speak and going back and forth and respecting his opponent in a debate. So he kind of gets four out of five a lot of the time. But the one he misses quite often is vulnerability, where he just, I think it's from maybe a fear of appearing weaker in his argument because feelings and facts don't go well together or something like that but we don't get a lot of how he feels and what's going on under the surface emotionally for him it's kind of the only thing missing he's robotic almost but again like i said in his body language his facial his little tone you do get some emotion coming through it's just not directly stated but let's see if it comes out i think was going on with ben well, apart from uh, him possibly being on steroids for his uh, his Batman role, um, I don't know. I, I just think he clearly had he. I think he had no idea who I was really, but someone had given him a paragraph, a bio of me, and had, had more or less to told him that you know I'm a a bigot who's intolerant uh, of Muslims, and you know he really should you know take a whack at me on, on that topic. Yeah. Now we're getting a little somewhere. He started that last little bit using the words, I think, and then you got a sense of his inner narrative. Now, what he just described, he doesn't have evidence for, but he's just portraying how he explained Ben's behavior to himself. The, the steroid thing was clearly a joke, but the next bit, like someone must have told Ben that I'm this and that and set him up. You see that in the, you start to get a little view of the inner world of Sam Harris where he looked at Ben's behavior and did, tried to calculate why it's happening to solve his own, own confusion. And we can see that that's the story came up with. I'm not sure if that was happening during the conflict or if this is something he's sort of come to afterwards as a conclusion as to why it happened. But now we're finally starting to see inside him a little bit. This is how his inner game works. This is how he figures things out. So now we're getting much more powerful honesty for him because he's being a little bit more vulnerable now. Um, so, so, and I mean, honestly, I, I was, I think I was a little slow to appreciate how hostile he was because I wasn't just looking at him. I was actually looking at Nick Kristoff, who I sure. have actually collided with. There's a little wordplay just there, just before he said the next bit, he said, honestly. Now, the funniest thing when people say to be honest or honestly speaking, or if I'm being honest, as a little sort of segue into the next bit, Usually what that means is that what they're about to say is more honest than they're usually comfortable going. Okay. I used to think people only said that because they're generally liars. But people generally use the term, if I'm being honest or to be honest, before they're about to say something that is a little more vulnerable for them. So I'm always a bit excited when someone uses that term because it's like, oh, we're going to go deeper now. That's nice to know. And I actually, I try to prevent myself from using that term as much as possible because it can undermine everything else you say. If you say, look, if I'm being honest, blah, 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 then you're kind of implying that everything else you said wasn't. Uh, and maybe that isn't a great thing to imply and not accurate. So I don't think that Sam Harris has been dishonest up until this point, but now we're entering a realm where he's not entirely comfortable uh, with the information he's sharing. I mean, he might be comfortable sharing it, but have discomfort about it inside himself. So he, he then goes on to say that he must have uh, misjudged uh, the hostility. And I think what he's saying is I admit to kind of being out of my depth or more I think I admit to miscalculating. And I think that's a hard thing for Sam Harris to admit. He doesn't like to admit that he read something wrong or he miscalculated because he kind of prides himself probably on his logic and reason. So we get to see a bit more again of real Sam Harris. And this is why I like to watch him in interviews more than debates because in interviews, especially when he likes the interviewer, he likes Rick Rubin, he likes Joe Rogan and some of the others, he tends to open up more and we get to see his inner world. And he's got such a great way with words that the, when he describes what he's thinking and feeling, you feel like you're him. You get great empathy for it. He's great at putting it into words, which is why I wish we could see more of it. On this topic and, and who my remarks were more pitched to, I think more appropriately pitched to, because Nick really deals with, with especially women's rights issues in the developing world to, to a unique degree. So I had a bit of a bone to pick with Nick and, um, and there were other, was, you know, uh, um, Michael Steele was on the panel, and so mm -hmm. my attention was split, and so I wasn't, 
just kind of out of the corner of my consciousness was I, I was understanding that there was a level of hostility here that I, I you know, didn't really uh, uh, expect or know how to interpret. You know. Yeah. That was beautiful. Didn't you just get a sense of what it was like to be him in the moment of dawning realization that the true enemy in this conversation is the unexpected one on his periphery? He gives you the backstory. I had a bone to pick with this guy, you know, and I wasn't expecting the hit to come from this way. You notice he starts stuttering and stumbling a little bit more as he's describing this. You know, when he's describing, say, his arguments against Islam, there's very little ums and ahs. It's, it's almost like he's reading. And that's because it's a well-practiced, well-rehearsed argument, not necessarily untrue, but not spontaneous. I don't think there's anything actually all that weak about ums and ahs, because what it usually means is that that person is processing their thoughts right here in the present moment as they're speaking. It's like Amazon one day delivery. They're preparing each word and sending it out immediately. It's usually a sign in this context of someone being really honest. So at this point, Sam is now trying to relive that interview moment and share it with us in real time. This is unrehearsed. It's unpracticed. It's his best attempt to accurately portray what was going on inside him during that moment. And this is what real honesty, this is what powerful honesty looks like. Yeah, he says, um and ah, because he's trying to get the words just right to give us the most accurate representation of what was happening. So talking about knowing how to interpret it, like it's a little different if, if Nick Kristoff or, or some author or a philosopher had immediately jumped out at you like that. I think right. you perhaps would have dealt with it in one way. But when a big, I mean, this is an A-list Hollywood star, this is Batman, jumps at you that way, d did that throw you off in a way? I mean, that, you look, you were cool and collected there, but did, just having to deal with someone at that level, it's, it's like a different ball game, you know? I'll just make a little comment on Rick Rubin here. Now, one thing you've got to get is context. He's the interviewer. And so it's interesting to watch as he's struggling to express himself while remaining the interviewer. He's trying to frame things in a question that prompts Sam to talk. He's trying to interview Sam, but at the same time, he's like bubbling up with just his thoughts and feelings. He's really into this. He isn't reading from a sheet trying to answer, you know, get 10 questions answered. He, he has some real thoughts and feelings having watched the tape and now being in the room with Sam about how he's feeling. And he's, he's obviously experiencing a lot of empathy for Sam. He's clearly going, God, I, I, I see what you're going through. Was it like this? Was it like that? He's really, really curious. Uh, but he's also kind of hindered by the need to interview. If Ruben let go of the interviewer role and just talked to Sam like they're at a bar just going back and forth, uh, this would probably actually be a bit more coherent in terms of what is Rick Rubin really thinking and feeling. So we're getting these kind of jolts between statement and questions. He keeps trying to drag in interviewing when I'd, I'd rather prefer him just see carry out the statement, say what he's thinking and feeling, and that would be much more like two friends talking to each other rather than a person being interviewed. Yeah, well, you're, it's hard to interrupt a, uh, a movie star who doesn't want to be interrupted. So at a certain point, you know, if, if, if Bill's not going to cut him off, I can't cut him off. So trying to get a word in edgewise is, is a challenge there. But, I mean, the irony is the sentence he was reacting to, the sentence where I say everyone conflates uh, criticism of Islam, a set of ideas, with bigotry against Muslims as people, uh, he no sooner no sooner were those words uttered than he demonstrated my thesis with yeah. every subsequent statement, and it was just impossible to to get get that mirror bent you know close enough toward his face so that he could recognize what what he was doing. Right. So he. So Sam slipped back a little bit here. Now he's gone back to talking about it from a detached perspective, sort of saying, "If Bill doesn't do this, then how can anyone do that?" And it's like he's not there anymore. He's just telling us like, like he's narrating from the outside. Again, there's nothing wrong with this, but he's dropped a couple of intimacy points. And I think this is actually caused in a way by Rick Rubin sort of insisting on staying in the interviewer role. If you stay in the interviewer role, the other person's forced to stay in the interviewee role. 
So Sam's kind of being pulled into talking about this like someone who's being interviewed, which I think makes him more detached. He's trying to kind of give theories and concepts as he's talking about an event rather than just talking about what it was like to be there, uh, which would be much more intimate and vulnerable. Ruben, I understand why he's staying in the interviewer role, and I've done this many times myself, but in doing so, he's actually kind of pushing Sam onto the back foot where he has to, I guess, stay professional. If Ruben had just said, God, what was that like? That must have been such a hard feeling. I can't even get my head around how hard that would have been for you. You can imagine that platform that Sam would have taken off from there where he would have talked about the feelings of it, which is what Ruben's really trying to say is like, fuck, I feel for you, bro. That looks fucking like a nightmare. That's what he's really trying to say sort of as he tries to get these questions out. But because he asks questions, then Sam must give answers instead of just spontaneously sharing. He literally, for the remainder of the 12 minutes, I mean, he continually oh, yeah. and repeatedly yeah. proved your theory. And then I continued for an hour in the green room afterwards, and it was, it was, it was by no means resolved. Yeah, uh, and clearly hasn't been resolved since. All no. right, so I, I don't want to focus too much on that specifically, but I just want to talk about when someone throws, you know, he throws this, it's gross, it's racist. Mm -hmm. Suddenly I noticed that the next day, the onus was on you and Bill Maher, and a little more to Bill, I think, to prove that you weren't racist. Right. I have never, I've been a big fan of Bill's for a long time, I've never heard anyone call him racist ever before, yeah. but suddenly the next day, on all the websites, it was Ben Affleck calls Sam Harris and Bill Maher racist. Is, ben Aff is uh, Bill Maher racist? Is Sam Harris racist? How does that feel in that moment of the discussion when someone throws that gauntlet down? Because you're used to, you're used to debating people with ideas, yeah, not, just, not yeah. just words. Well, it's very um, dispiriting because it's almost guaranteed to convince half the audience. Okay, I know I keep jumping in here. This is quite fascinating. I've got to throw in a caveat here. I think they're both being quite honest as people. I'm sort of nitpicking just to give you an idea of what full powerful honesty looks like. But overall, these guys are being far more honest than most people are in a conversation. So I really want to make that point. So, you know, I don't want you to get the impression that I think they're not doing very well. I think they're doing exceptionally well for regular humans, especially in an interview context, which makes things weird for a normal conversation. That being said, it happened just again, uh, it happened again just now, where Ruben starts with talking about like, I don't even, I've never seen Bill Maher called a racist and then I see all this racist stuff. So he's relating how his inner experience is going. That's powerful honesty. He's saying, I was surprised because I had this one view and then this other view came out and it shocked me. He's not saying those words, which would have been more powerful, but he's kind of getting that idea across. But then again, he asks a question. Ruben doesn't need to ask Sam questions in this conversation. These guys clearly have a click. They have a connection. And the questions are actually kind of ruining it a little bit. If, if Ruben was just to say, like, oh, I was su so surprised that you guys were being called racist, and then just stop talking, didn't try to elicit a certain response or lead a certain response uh, from Sam Harris, then Sam would have just responded and it probably would have been a more genuine response. Now, one of the problems with questions is that you limit someone's response if they're willing to obey the kind of unwritten rules of a question. You're forcing them to give an answer, which is a limited range of information. They can't go anywhere they want with it. They feel a lot of pressure to say something that makes sense to the question you've asked. Whereas if you just leave them with a statement, this is how I feel, this is what I think, this is my impression of you, they can go anywhere they like with it, which means you're more likely to get a more honest response. If you limit someone, they might still be truthful, but it might be not the most truthful thing they could say. So Sam Harris, and you can see in the way he responds, he again goes, he again goes detached. Let's just rewind the clock a little bit, just uh, how does he respond to that? Well, it's very... Uh... It's very dispiriting rather than I felt let down or, you know, it, it dropped my spirits. He talks about it more objectively. It was dispiriting, like this uh, detached observation of something. You don't get a sense he's the one who's dispirited exactly. Now, that's clearly what it is. But again, this is 
partly a Sam Harris issue and partly a, a Ruben issue. Ruben asking a question kept making this the interviewer interviewee frame, which limits how intimate it can get. And then Sam Harris on the back foot kind of reverts to his practice of presenting everything as facts and detached and cold rather than talking about the way he feels, which is completely legitimate. The way he feels is actually a kind of, I think, a much more interesting and accurate portrayal of what's happening. He doesn't need to cage it in terms of generalized facts. So I just want you to notice that these are both guys trying to be very honest, but limited by the interviewer frame. I have almost no doubt in my mind that once this interview is over and these guys go down to the pub together to have a beer, the conversation becomes a lot more intimate and a lot more meaningful, a lot more interesting. It's already, like I said, I'm not giving them shit. They're at least a seven out of 10 for honesty so far, but it's that detached honesty where they're being accurate, but they're not talking about the inner experience. They're not being vulnerable. So they're missing an element. Well, should I say they're being indirect about it. It's not missing. They're just not going right to the point. They're kind of going, showing it with indirect ways, like speaking of facts that kind of hint or using facial expressions that kind of hint how they're feeling. It's, and this is something, this is the first thing I said to, to Ben afterwards in the green room. I said, do you realize just calling us racist convinced half the people listening and watching that we're racist? Yeah. I mean, just using that word is enough for people. So, and people just assume where there's smoke, there's fire. They can't figure out what anyone is actually saying. Their attention span is, is so truncated that using words like that, uh, again, just convinces fully half the audience. And, and, and the most depressing thing in the aftermath of this was to see the outpouring, the celebration of, you know, disproportionately in the Muslim community um, on social media from people who thought that he had just mopped the floor with us, that yeah. he, he had exposed our racism for all to see, and he had argued brilliantly, and he's just this white knight for the Muslim world. And, I mean, it was so embarrassing because, he, of course, he did none of that. He, he wasn't making any sense. He wasn't listening to what we were actually saying. And he was simply, um, uh, you know, calling us names, yeah. you know, very loaded names. And, and it, it works for people who want to perceive the, the, the conversation along those lines. What we got bits there, didn't we? He said it's depressing. It's embarrassing. He's giving us these tasty morsels of how he felt. And frankly, he's giving us enough, to, I think, to get a pretty accurate sense of what's going on inside him. But he has a tendency, I think, to justify it, to say it's embarrassing because, and, you know, I was depressed about it because. And then he goes into more detached, factual kind of reasoning and logic. And really, I've got no problem with this. It's kind of a personality trait of his. He, he's so logical and rational. I mean, he really he is kind of like the forefather of modern rationality. And so he's primed always to give rationale for anything, but he doesn't need to give rationale for his feelings. It's actually a somewhat unconfident move on his part. Don't get me wrong. As far as confidence goes, he's up there. He's in the top 5% of the population, no doubt about it. But we all have our flaws. And his one, he has to justify his emotions. That's what he just did there. He justified why it was depressing. He justified why it was dispiriting. He justified why it was embarrassing. And I don't mean that he explained it because explaining it's different. It's, it's, it's a really fine line. It's a really subtle point I'm making here. And I could actually be wrong. You know, it might be from Sam Harris's perspective, he has no shame about his emotions. He's not trying to justify them. He's just trying to help us understand what they were in reaction to. It's quite plausible that that's what he's saying but i guess more as a warning to anyone watching this be careful about explaining your emotions because especially if you're explaining you know being embarrassed or dispirited or depressed you're saying i had a right to feel this way because which is a defensive tone you're saying i have to explain these emotions because otherwise people won't accept them or something like that Sam could have just said in a very concise manner, when I saw the reaction that everyone thought that Ben was the white knight who had mopped the floor with us and, you know, that emotive language coming through, which I liked. 
I was embarrassed, I was depressed, I was dispirited. And he couldn't have stopped there without trying to help us understand why he's allowed to feel those emotions. He could have just said, this happened and this was my reaction. It's a very concise, powerful way of speaking where you essentially come from the assumption, it's fine for me to feel this way, so there's no need to justify it. This happened, I reacted this way. No point to prove, so to speak. Now, again, another caveat, this is not strictly a discussion about Sam Harris. He's also talking about hot topic issues that he wants to talk about, you know, uh, leftist ideologies and sort of how they shoot themselves in the foot and breach their own values and problems with Islam and so on as he sees. So he's, he's mixing kind of what it's like to be Sam with his message and his mission in the world. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing dishonest about that. It's, it's just, it's a difficult balance. If you want to be powerfully honest, if you want to show people who you truly are, it can be watered down when you're also trying to convince them of something. Sam Harris is in the game of convincing people of stuff for, for good reasons. And that's his mission. I, I do the same thing. And I guess it's also a lesson for me as well as I watch this is I have to be careful as I'm trying to get my message out that I don't become detached from who I am and I don't speak about my opinions as if they're a observable fact. I always make sure to say, this is just how I see the world. And this is how I feel about the world rather than this is how the world is, uh, which is somewhat inaccurate because it's always just about perspectives. But again, I think you get Sam Harris in a bar. This conversation would go a lot differently. Well, not a lot differently, but it would be, I think a lot more heavily weighted towards what it's like to be Sam rather than a kind of detached thesis on his worldviews. Was this, was this meme or this idea of you as a racist, was that even out there? Because now I see it yeah. in the dialogue all the time, but, but I had never heard of it. And to be 100% honest with you, I had sort of ancillarily knew your work. I'm not even sure if I was following you on Twitter at the time. So I you see that again? To be 100% honest with you, and then something a bit more vulnerable comes out, where he comes out and says, like, actually, I didn't do my research on you as thoroughly maybe as I should have, or I didn't know you as well as I should have before this happened. Words to that effect. So again, there's a, it's just a cute thing that people do when they say to be honest with you or whatever. They're like, okay, I'm going to get out from behind my safety wall where I'm using facts and figures and whatever else to protect myself. I'm going to show you a little bit of something that you might be annoyed with or judge me for or that I'm ashamed of. That's why I, mean, I just, I like when I hear someone say that because I know what's coming next is probably going to be better than what they usually say, unless they're a manipulative person, in which case that phrase is used to con you into thinking what follows will be honest. And it's usually a lie. You know, a lot of people, when they're done with this, they're going to say, ah, Ruben's just a Sam Harris fanboy and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but I really, I didn't. I was watching right. that and I thought, well, here's someone making some sense. And now Ben Affleck's just using the worst kind of language with him. Uh, but yeah. was that idea about you out there before? Well, this? not. Well, ah, so he did it again. He goes, I thought you were this and I felt this about Ben Affleck. He could have stopped there, but then he asks a question and he kind of kills the sharing vibe. I'm really, it sounds like I'm criticizing him. Like I said, I've got to keep emphasizing these guys are both being very honest with each other. This is actually a pretty well-connected conversation in general. But you just, I get this urge like, please just let go of this being an interview and just talk to each other. And this will, this will be so much smoother and you won't force each other into trying to turn this into detached positions or factual information. Oh yeah, I think Glenn Greenwald and a few other people had put it out there. So it was, I mean, it's, it's a trope of... Um, political, co politically correct, liberal apology around criticism of Islam. So, I mean, this, this notion of Islamophobia, the yeah. idea that that to single out Islam for any special attention as a set of doctrines or as a political reality in, in today's world is tantamount to, synonymous with, or, or covertly motivated by racist bigotry toward Arabs or brown-skinned people. Um, and, and, you know, there are many people like Glenn Greenwald who quite irresponsibly, you know, make that point again and again. Um, and so, yeah, so, so Ben's, uh, uh, sir, that was not the first time 
criticism of Islam has been conflated with, with racism. But it's, right. it's, I mean, it's, it's such a crazy claim because, it, I mean, this has been pointed out again and again, and Bill's done this, but Islam is not a race. You know, it's a set of ideas. You can't convert away from a race. You can't convert to a race. Everything well, I've Rachel Dolezal, you can. Yes, that's right. You, yes, you can. You can. Uh, a few, one person can do right. that. <laughs> one point I want to make about Sam here is fuck, he's bold. He doesn't mind calling people by name. It's something that we don't see enough of. Uh, or we only see it from people who don't have their facts straight. So usually when somebody says this person is a racist or this person is whatever, they're just making wild accusations that are unresearched. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we get these people who are so careful about being uh, unfairly, what do you call it, libellous, libel, libelous? How do you say that word? you know, sort of unfairly accusing someone of something and they won't name them. They'll say, look, certain someone said this or someone I know, I won't name them. They said that. And Sam names them. And I fucking love that because why would you provoke or, or, or challenge someone to a confrontation without that person knowing who they are? That's It's unfair. And it also puts you in a position where you can't be counter-challenged. You'll say, look, someone said this about me, but they're wrong. Well, that someone can't come back and, and challenge your claim or confront you back. You're kind of hiding behind anonymity. So what Sam Harris does is goes, this guy's called me racist. He's wrong. It's very ir irresponsible. So if this guy's got a problem with me, he knows it now. You know, bring it on. Sam is incredibly bold with his views. You know, and that comes from just <laughs> his life is basically one of confrontations. Uh, he's been on stage live of spontaneous um, debates many, many, many times, knowing that they're going to go out to millions of people. And so he's used to going direct. And you should see him when he's in debate, he will call out the manipulative tactics. Uh, him versus Deepak Chopra is, is a great one for this. He'll call out their tactics right to their face, look them in the eyes as he's doing it. Very few people are able to do that calmly and rationally and so courageously. It's one of my things that I most admire about Sam, and he just did it here. Uh, everything I say about Islam applies to white converts to the faith every bit as much as it does to, to Arabs or, or anyone born into it. Sure. In fact, even more so, because I mean, you've, you've had, if, if you're 30 years old and, and not had this drummed into you on mother's knee, and with a full adult, you know, clear viewing of, of your life and all the opportunities available to you, you decide to convert to the most doctrinaire and repressive form of Islam. Well, then, then I have the most to say about you. You know, someone like, you know, Adam Gadon, who's, you know, the, I think he's now dead, but um, the, this guy from Orange County who joined Al-Qaeda. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, this is, these are, so, and everything I say about Islam as a religion that, you know, is, is true. I've said some disparaging things about it as a set of ideas. And I've compared it unfavorably to Buddhism and Hinduism, which, you know, their, their adherents are, are, for the most part, not white like me. So the idea that racism has, the, the notions of race have, has anything to do with this is just completely crazy. All right, so we'll stop there. So that was just a 10-second clip. It's, obviously, it's uh, not the full range of all who Sam Harris is. But I just wanted to give you a sense of I guess how I see the world when I'm analyzing how honest people are. Actually, I don't usually look that closely. That was kind of fun to do. Again, I've really got to make the emphasis. I was nitpicking. You have to nitpick with someone like Sam Harris because he is an incredibly honest and truthful person. So to find the flaws, I mean, if I was to watch, say, an interview between Ben Affleck and one of his friends, I would have to stop every two seconds to say that was dishonest, that was dishonest. I didn't see any dishonesty on Sam Harris's part. He wasn't lying about what he believes to be true. He wasn't really hiding what he was feeling, even though he wasn't always direct about it. Whereas pretty much everything out of Ben Affleck's mouth in that short clip was pure dishonesty disguised as curious honesty or a genuine point of view. I want you to just notice again, you're going to see this anytime I do something where the, the theme is an interview rather than a discussion. When you put a frame on a conversation, if you make this a, an, in, an interview or you give it a name like a date or uh, this is a debate or this is a confrontation or whatever, 
you put yourself at risk of limiting how honest people can be in the situation. We saw from Rick Rubin, you know, every time he asked a question, he limited Sam's scope, where if he just left the question off, it was totally unnecessary to keep the conversation going. Though in Rick Rubin's defense, Sam Harris is probably a pretty easy interviewee compared to others he might have. So he might be in the habit of having to ask questions to kind of like draw information out of people. But it's also a kind of nervous habit that I see a lot of people do in conversation. They use question marks instead of full stops. So they'll feel a nervousness. Like if I stop speaking, there'll be a deadly silence. The way to prevent that is to finish with a question to prompt the other person, let them know it's their turn and so on. It's kind of like a caretaking of the conversation. When you're talking to someone like Sam Harris, you don't need to caretake. The guy knows how to have a conversation and a connection, and he's actually got a greater range available if you don't pigeonhole him into answering a question. That being said, my overall impression of that interview was that they were both being incredibly honest with each other and straight up. Obviously, we saw a lot more of Sam than we did from Rick Rubin, who's being the interviewer role. We only got glimpses of how he was feeling and what he was thinking and experiencing, but accurate glimpses. I mean, if you watch Rubin closely, you probably get a genuine sense of how he's feeling and what he believes and thinks. And of course, the questions he chooses give you some insight into where he's viewing things or how he's viewing things. But statements would have given you an even more direct insight so that's the first time i've done that if i'm going to do it again i need to know from you guys if it's actually helpful or if this is the kind of thing you want to see me doing and if you do who would you like to see me do it about i've already got people like jordan peterson lined up jim carrey will smith um christopher hitchens some other kind of advocates for honesty and truthfulness that i want to pick apart or i'm quite happy to destroy someone you believe to be incredibly dishonest or whomever so if you got some ideas as to who i could do this kind of analysis on please send it through thank you so much for watching and or listening depending what device you're using and i'll see you next time cheers this is brojo online masculinity confidence and integrity